Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day, but each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar, who will be your host in this special edition of Fake News. I'm calling it a special edition. I couldn't decide if I wanted to call it a retrospective. It's not really a weekly roundup. It's going to be a comprehensive roundup. As you can tell from the episode title, I want to talk about these Trump indictments that came out. Retrospectives usually look back at something that happened a long time ago and we kind of reflect on it. Uh, These Trump indictments have been coming down for the past four or five months on a regular basis. And uh, I wanted to wait until they had all gotten out there before I really talked about this. And so anyway, as of the Georgia indictment coming out a couple weeks ago, we're here. They've all come out. It doesn't look like there's any more new ones on the way. Uh, But I want to just talk about these indictments that have come down for Trump over the past few months. And I want to talk about where they're legit, where they are not legit. And so uh, something to upset everybody today. If you're a Trump hater, if you're a Trump lover, I want to say something that makes you mad today. Let me start with a little story about my kid, uh, Zek. He's four years old. Zechariah is his name. And he loves the Star Wars. And he gets that from his daddy. You know, we love watching the Star Wars together. And so we were watching one of the movies. And so he's four. He's just kind of starting to figure out things about the world, um, starting to just come to the, the shocking realization, the sad realization for him that Star Wars is actually not real. It's just a show that you watch on TV. And so that's been a little bit of a disappointment for him. And he's kind of working through some of these things. And so we're watching uh, we're watching a character on Star Wars named Mace Windu. He's played by the legendary actor Samuel L. Jackson. And um, he Zach notices something about Mace Windu. He notices that Samuel L. Jackson is a black guy. So he, he says, Daddy, why is Mace's skin darker? You know, this is something that he's watched Star Wars a million times before, never thought about this question. But he has he asked this question to me the other day while we were watching it. And so I just told him that whenever God made people, that God made all kinds of different people. They have all different types of skin color. Some have black, some have white, some some have somewhere in between. And so I said, God just made all kinds of people and and Mace has darker skin. And so then his follow up question to this, he says, but daddy, if Star Wars is not real, but God is real, then how can God be in Star Wars? <laughs> so I, I got to admit, I wasn't prepared for that question. You know, we just kind of worked through this stuff on Star Wars not being real and superheroes not being real. And also, he I'll tell you, he believes that the government is not real. Because the true story, he he believes the government, as my wife described it to him, it sounds so awful. There's no way it could possibly be real. So he's sorting through these things of what's real, what's not real. Um, he's trying to figure out how to separate truth from falsehood. And I wasn't quite prepared for how to answer that question. If Star Wars is not real, but God is real, how can God be in Star Wars? That was that was a that was a tricky one. <laughs> so anyway, he's working through these things of separating what's real from what's fake, what's true from what's false. And I want to do that today on this episode of Fake News. I want to do what's a little bit of a retrospective, but not on something that happened a long time ago, some stuff that's just been happening lately with these Trump indictments. And so 
uh, what I want to talk about today is where the indictments are actually pointing out where Trump did break the law. And I, in some areas, I do see that being the case. But also, I want to talk about where the indictments are just completely specious, ridiculous, unfair. Uh, in, in a sense, all of them are unfair to some degree. Um, but th- I'm not saying that means that they're all illegitimate. So as I said before, if you're if you're listening and you're a Republican, I want to say some things that you don't agree with. Um, although I, I hope you agree. I hope I make my case by the end of the episode. If you're anti-Trump, I want to say some things that you're not going to agree with. If you're a Democrat, I'm not even going to try to make you happy. I don't know if I have any Democrats listening, but I'm going to I'm not trying to make anyone happy or unhappy. I'm trying to just tell you the truth. I'm trying to just be honest with you and just be realistic. Okay. what I hope is by the end that you feel I've given everybody a fair and objective explanation of these indictments. Now that we've kind of gotten at the last one I said came down a few weeks ago. It was the Georgia indictments. And so now they're all out there. Trump had his his uh, mugshot taken about a week ago. And it, I'm going to wait and release this episode just right after Labor Day, because I don't think anyone really listens to podcasts on holidays. So at, right after Labor Day, I'll put this out there. And I, hopefully the, the emotions have kind of come down a little bit. And hopefully we can kind of just look at this rationally, because we as a country, we have some choices to make a few months from now. Uh, at the start of 2024, we're going to start voting in the primaries around America. And I want, I just think uh, if, I guess whether you're Republican or not, but I think we need to get on the same page, especially I, I'm a conservative leaning person. I'm not going to outright say I'm a Republican because there's a lot of things Republicans do that I just don't want to defend, but I'm definitely conservative. And so um, I just kind of want to put this stuff out there because I think we as conservatives have a choice to make. I'm not going to tell you to vote for Trump or against Trump. I want to put the facts out there and I want you to just, I think we just need to be on the same page about reality. That would be good, right? If we could all agree on what the facts are. And so let's go through these, these indictments. I think I'll kind of go through them uh, chronologically in the order that the indictments came down. I want to talk about each, each one. And so that's what we're going to do today. Before I get into them, I just, I'm going to comment on a couple things that are just developing in the news. I'll keep this real quick. Because once I get going on the indictment thing, I mean, that's what we're going to be into the rest of the episode. So we won't have time to talk about anything else today. But I do just I want to comment on a couple things because it's been a few weeks since I had a podcast. So you've probably seen in the news a talk of COVID making a comeback and not just COVID, but all of the heavy handed government restrictions regarding masks and lockdowns potentially making a comeback as well. So uh, on COVID... I, I do believe the sickness is making a comeback, maybe whether it's like a new variant or whatever, um, whatever's going on, it does seem to, to be making a comeback. I've, I know people personally who've come down with it again. And so, um, yes, it, it, the sickness might be returning to a small degree. I don't think it's not going to be a big wave like it was a few years ago. But I just want to point something out for you that the media is trying to make this sound so much worse than it actually is. And there's a particular phrase that I've noticed them using. Highly mutated. Here's a headline from CNN. A highly mutated new variant of the virus that causes COVID-19 has countries on alert as scientists scramble to understand how far it has spread and how well our immunity will defend against it. So this phrase right here, highly mutated, that's the phrase I'm seeing. And I want you to just think real quick about what that must mean, okay? It sounds bad when you say highly mutated, It sounds a little scary, right? Because it sounds like we don't know what's going on. 
mutations, you know, they're random, they could be dangerous. And the phrase highly, highly mutated, it probably makes you think at a first glance, highly dangerous. Okay. But here's what I want you to remember about the media. They want this to sound scarier than it actually is. That's why they always had the death count of how many people died of COVID, even though the numbers were exaggerated. But they always had the death count running, you know, at the bottom of the screen on CNN right up until Trump uh, or Biden was inaugurated and Trump was out of office. They kept that number up there. They wanted to drum up fear. And so highly mutated. What do they mean by that phrase? Okay, if it was highly dangerous, I think they just would have said highly dangerous. Right. But they didn't say that. They said it was highly mutated. That means it's mutated to a significant degree, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's deadlier than it was before. And keep this in mind with any virus. If it follows the general pattern of viruses, it's going to mutate. Yes, like the flu virus does each year, it's going to mutate over time. And what viruses tend to do is become less deadly, but more contagious over time. Okay, so that's what's typical of a virus. And that's probably what this mutation has done. Before we get all panicky about it, it's probably going to become less deadly, yet more contagious, because that's how the virus wants to flourish. If it kills its hosts all the time, it's not going to flourish as well. So it's going to mutate naturally in a more contagious way, but become less deadly over time. And that's what you see probably going on. So don't freak out about this phrase, highly mutated. I think it's just a word they wanted to use to make it sound scary. They came up with this phrase, (laughs) highly mutated, because it sounds scary. But just think about it. If it actually was scary, if it was deadlier, they would have put that in the headline. All they're really saying with highly mutated is that it's different. So that's one thing I wanted to comment on. And of course, another thing that I might mention is we've had these these wildfires that broke out in Maui, Maui, Maui in Hawaii. And uh, I just question a lot on this. Are we really getting the truth about the Maui wildfires? Because uh, I just feel like there's a it, it was, seems like such a big story. All these people died. And we heard about this for a few days. But then it seemed like the country just moved on really quickly. And it was kind of a freak accident kind of thing. Not an accident, I guess, but a freak tragedy. You know, Hawaii, it's not known for its wildfires. Um, but yet with this one, they got this fire to break it. Somehow this fire broke out. And it's a little mysterious as to how. And it seems to be a lot of a lack of curiosity among the media of of how it was set off, which makes you wonder what was going on. And so there's this fu- this fire that broke out on, on Maui. And they were very unprepared for it as a as far as disaster response goes. It seems that the the local officials, government officials, gave really bad advice that caused a lot of people to die unnecessarily. That's how it looks right now. And that might be why they're kind of covering it up, because it's a bunch of left wingers and the left wing media doesn't want them to look bad. But it seems to be a bad response from the government telling people just to stay in place when actually they should have been getting out of there. Um, and also just the freak winds that that blew this fire and made it way worse than it would have just been naturally. These winds that were just like these wind gusts that spread the fire extremely fast. And so it's like people were trying to run out in the ocean and they couldn't get away from it in time. So sounds really, really, really terrible. And so I feel for all those people out there. And um, it's just weird. It's just weird. Like how, how little details we've gotten, how our president took like two vacations and said no comment when they first asked him about the wildfire. It's like, why do you not say, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with them or something like that. Instead, he just says no comment and goes on vacation. It's a really, really strange ordeal. Um, 
And I'll comment on one more thing that's just happened here lately that I haven't had an episode to comment on. But, you know, we had the Republican debates and I could go on and on about that. I watched it, uh, what I could of it um, before my connection got interrupted. But uh, uh, the same night Donald Trump went on Tucker Carlson and like the Twitter show that Tucker is doing, which it was Tucker on Twitter whenever he launched it. And I guess Twitter's changed his name to X, even though no one really calls it that. <laughs> but that's what they want it to be called now is is x and so tucker on twitter they had this kind of catchy little title and now he has he's had to change the name of his brand new show tucker on x which just doesn't have the same alliteration ring to it so that's a little sad but anyway um trump was it was interviewed by tucker carlson and i watched about i don't know seven ten minutes of this as much as i could stomach um it was a total waste of time uh tucker carlson didn't ask any tough questions he just rolled over agreed with everything Trump said. It was actually kind of sickening. I've, I've talked on here. I, I like that Tucker Carlson guy. I didn't have Fox News before, but I would enjoy watching some of the stuff that he was bringing to the table on these interviews. Um, and, and I wasn't I was enjoying his his new Twitter show up until this this Trump interview that he put out. Just to give you an example, um, and again, I only watched the first 10 minutes or so, but um, he was he was asking Trump he was trying to run down Bill Barr because Trump's always w- ready to just run down Bill Barr, his former, the guy he hired, his former um, um, attorney general. And and Bill Barr had been attorney general like 20 or 30 years ago. So Bill Barr, uh, I think, is a very capable, competent leader of the Justice Department, did it in a very fair, balanced, just, I mean, you want your Justice Department leader to be just. He actually was very ethical and had a lot of integrity. I guess that's my opinion, but I read his book uh, and I I think very highly of Bill Barr. Tucker Carlson decides just to kind of throw some red meat out there to Trump to get him to go after Bill Barr. And he goes after him on the basis of Jeffrey Epstein that I, I don't remember this from Bill Barr's book, but I guess Bill Barr had said that he believed Jeffrey Epstein really did kill himself. Um, I don't remember him addressing that in the book, but maybe maybe it was in there. Uh and so Tucker starts in talking about how ridiculous it is to think that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. You know, that obviously this was an inside job. This was some kind of conspiracy because he had so much dirt on so many powerful people. And uh, Trump's response to that is that Trump says, oh, I do believe Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. I, I do think that's what happened. That's a little bit shady and suspicious, you know, to think that. And as soon as Trump said it, well, then Tucker's just agreeing with him and just letting Trump say that. He's not calling him out on what Tucker just said was baloney a few seconds before the idea that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. As soon as Trump said it, well, t- then Tucker just falls in line and goes along with it. I'm like, come on, dude, you you stated your own opinion and now you're just going to agree with whatever Trump says. I found that disappointing. I didn't I did not enjoy I, I just turned it off after that. I'm like, OK, you're not even being a real journalist anymore. You're just you're just trying to promote Trump here and let him say whatever he wants. You're not going to challenge him on anything. You're just, so anyway, waste of time. And, you know, if you, if you were paying attention to the chatter on, on Twitter afterwards, I mean, X, if you were paying attention to the chatter, nobody was talking about this Tucker and Trump interview. Like nobody, there was no discussion going on about it. There was no, you know, oh, wow, Trump said this. Tucker asked about that. It was so illuminating. There was none of that. Everybody was talking about the Republican debates that aired at the same time. That was clearly where the energy in the room was. 
And I think that's where the energy should go as we're going to discuss today. So let's talk about these Trump indictments. And I'll, I'll kind of share some thoughts on these. Again, I'm going to I want to go in chronological order here today, and I'm going to try to be fair. I'm going to try to be objective. As I said earlier, I do believe Trump has broken some laws. I think the indictment charges are generally unfair, but some of them are credible. If Trump was a Democrat, I would say he would not have been charged for any of this stuff. Okay, I acknowledge this. Since he's a Republican, it's open season on him. They're going to do whatever they can to bring him down. We have a two-tiered justice system. I agree that it's unfair, but I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you that all the charges are bogus. So let's talk about them today. The first indictment that came down at the start of the year, indictment number one, was about the Stormy Daniels hush money, where Donald Trump, I think in 2015 or 16, this was when he was running for president all the way back then. Okay, I, w- I was going to say the first time, but he actually did run in 2012. It did, was not very successful. He ran again in 2015 and what, what obviously was successful, won the presidency. But during that presidential run, one of a, a, a woman he had had an affair with, it was a, a porn star named Stormy Daniels. And she, I guess, w- was threatening to go to the, the press, the media and talk about their affair. So he ends up paying her a bunch of money. I forgot how much it was. $130,000. I think it was something like that. He ends up paying her the hush money so that she'll keep her mouth shut and not try to hurt his campaign with this information. So he pays her off. Okay. No, obviously she didn't keep her mouth shut because a few years later she goes out and starts telling everybody about it. <laughs> I don't know if there's a way he could prosecute her and get his money back or something. Not that he cares about that, but it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty sleazy, but Hey, you get into business with a porn star. This is, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. So, um, Alvin Bragg, I think he's a district attorney. He's up in New York and he is claiming that Donald Trump used his personal funds to pay off Stormy Daniels. Uh, he, that he did this because he didn't want it to show up in his campaign finance paperwork. And so he says this was unethical, that it was actually illegal for Trump to use his personal money to pay off something that would help his presidential campaign. He says, no, you got to use your presidential campaign dollars to pay off things that are going to help your presidential campaign. So anyway, it's I was it's not a gray area. Honestly, it, it's perfectly legal for Trump to pay off somebody out of his own pocket um, because he has also he can use his personal money because he has very personal reasons for wanting to keep this information secret. OK, he had an affair with a porn star. It, it, even if he wasn't running for president, it would be totally reasonable to think that he would want to keep this information private. So anyway, there's it's it's not really ambiguous. It's actually perfectly um he has a very good defense. He has a very logical reason that he would want to use uh his own personal finances and not use campaign funds to pay to pay off Stormy Daniels. So also just to he has a very good defense on this basis that in 2004 there was a man named John Edwards who was running for vice president. He was on John Kerry's ticket. So he was going to be John Kerry's VP. And John Edwards had also had an affair and used, so he used his his um, campaign finances to pay off the woman who was accusing him or, or had, or was going to, you know, say she was going to go to the press unless he paid her off. He had, uh, 
he used campaign finances to pay off this woman that so that she would keep her mouth shut. And then John Edwards was fined after the whole election thing had settled down. He had to pay a fine for that because they said if you slept with a woman and then you wanted to pay her off, you should have used your own money. You can't be dipping into your campaign finances to do that. So he actually had to pay a fine for doing that. He was supposed to use his own money to pay off a woman for that he had had an affair with. So anyway, there's actually legal precedent already on the books. Trump has a very good defense to go out here and say, oh, I didn't want to use my own money. To, or I didn't want to use my campaign to pay off Stormy Daniels because John Edwards got fined for doing that same thing. So he says, so I used my my personal funds to do that because that seems to be the, the quote unquote right thing to do whenever you're paying off uh, someone you had an affair with. So anyway, he has a pretty solid legal case on this one, even though it's highly liberal New York. But Trump's risk with this whole thing, it's, it's a very low risk. There's a very good chance that this one actually gets thrown out of court before it even goes to any kind of trial or settlement or anything like that. It could just get thrown out entirely. And in the event that Trump was found guilty, if he is, you know, I would say unfairly because of the whole legal precedent argument, but if he is unfairly found guilty on this thing, um, he's probably just going to have to pay a fine and it'll be no more than that. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's this also another aspect of this case I forgot to mention. It is way past the statute of limitations. This is the statute of limitations for this was like 2018 or 19. So this prosecutor, it, it could get thrown out based on just that, that we're way past the statute of limitations. And so anyway, I this is this is a very low risk out of all the indictments. This is the most ridiculous one. And also, this is the one that I say could probably backfire on the Democrats politically, because this was the first one that they put out there. As I said, it's pretty ridiculous. And if this thing gets laughed out of court, then that is going to, in the eyes of the public, that's going to delegitimize all the indictments. You know, it's going to make all of them look like a political witch, witch hunt because this first one is just so silly. So this could backfire on the Democrats. And so I think this was probably a political miscalculation on their part. Um, however, this also kind of backfires on Republicans. Because whenever Republicans go out there and defend Trump for this, okay, and again, if it sounds like I've been defending him, I've been defending the legal basis for this indictment. I'm, I don't have a very high opinion of a person going out there and sleeping with a porn star. I think that while his wife was home with a baby, a newborn baby, or, or pregnant with a newborn baby, I think this happened in like 2005, and Trump had just recently married Melania, and she was pregnant or had just had their son, Baron, that's, you know, this is pretty sleazy behavior. I know, I know he's a billionaire. That doesn't make it okay. You know, that just because he's some rich guy on a moral level, this is really terrible personal behavior. So I, you know, I think when Republicans go out there and defend Trump, um, they say, oh, well, hey, this is just how billionaires act. You know, why are we making a big deal about it? All the rich guys in America do this kind of stuff. Well, whenever, whenever you do that, you know, Republicans, one of their arguments against Biden is that he's this mean, nasty individual. He won't acknowledge his seventh grandchild. He doesn't really care about his family as much as he says he does. You know, that, and I've said before on this podcast, I think that is terrible that Biden is that way, but that's not even in the top 100 reasons 
that I think Biden is unqualified to be president. That's not a major issue for me. That's an that's an issue of his personal character. But there, I could think of a lot of other things that actually matter more to me when selecting the leader of the country, when selecting, um, when when deciding who should be president. There's a lot of things that are more important than how he treats his seventh grandchild. You know, even though I don't like the way he treated his seventh grandchild, I do think it was disgusting behavior, but it's pretty low on the priority list for me. And so when Republicans go out there and attack Biden, because you heard about this a few months ago, nonstop, how terrible it was. And Biden finally came out and acknowledged, yes, I have a seventh grandchild that, you know, my my son Hunter had an affair with this woman or or whatever. Um she and she was like a pole dancer or something. You know, Republicans made a lot of hay out of attacking Biden and Hunter Biden for that. And yet then they turn around and they defend Donald Trump, who had an affair with a porn star while his wife had a newborn baby. You know, this kind of stuff, this backfires on Republicans when and if if the, if Democrats are just using this to goad Republicans into making themselves defend Trump and everyone getting down in the mud with Trump and looking sleazy, that backfires on us, too. So, guys, I'm not trying to be judgmental here. I'm trying to tell you the political reality. OK, I've defended Trump before. I'm probably guilty of doing the same thing, of defending him for things that I shouldn't have defended. I'm, I've probably done that before. What I'm trying to do right now is get us to look ahead. OK, us, I guess I'm going to say us conservatives. If you want a conservative politician who's going to push conservative policies and make wins for conservative ideals, if that's what you want... We got to look at what it's going to take to win. If you're presenting the guy who cheats on his pregnant wife versus the guy who doesn't acknowledge his seventh grandchild, you're not giving Americans much of a choice. So you just got to keep that in mind. That was indictment number one. Let's talk about another one of them today. Indictment number two, the second indictment that was handed down about Trump, this is the one about the classified documents case. And so this was brought about by a special counsel with the Department of Justice. His name is Jack Smith. If you are a Trump fan, I just got to rip off the Band-Aid right now, okay? This one right here is the strongest case against Trump. There's really no defense for his actions on this one. So this case is based on Trump's mishandling of classified documents after he left office, Trump took a bunch of classified material with him whenever he left the White House. And after that, the National Archives engaged in a lengthy negotiation with Trump, whereby they demanded that he return these documents. But Trump refused. And you might remember, I'm sure you do, about a year ago. Let's see, this is okay, we're here in early September. I think it was last year in August. And I was I was moving around that time. So this was kind of a chaotic period in my life. But I do remember this. I believe it was last year in August. Trump had his home in Mar-a-Lago raided by the FBI. And this was significant because this was, you know, this was an unprecedented step um, in American history, I guess you could say, that we had one of our former presidents raided literally raided his home torn apart by the FBI. Um, many of us were out here saying, what were they looking for? Why was, why was this warranted? Why was this necessary? 
Trump either had something had done something really, really bad to bring this on himself or the government was overstepping its bounds. And a lot of us, I, you know, kind of jumped the gun, maybe defending Trump, saying, man, this is ridiculous. Look how they're going after him. And yet. It's been an entire year since that time. Trump has never provided those of us who defended him an explanation for why he kept these classified documents after he left the White House. He's never come out and explained this. And if you remember last year, this kind of this weird trend developed after that, where Joe Biden was caught with classified materials that were being improperly stored on his property. And then for some reason, Mike Pence comes out and notifies everybody that he had classified materials on his property. And so, you know, this was kind of weird. It seemed like everybody had these classified materials lying around. What was what's going on here? And so, but here's the thing. When Biden and Pence were found to have these documents or came out and said they had these documents, they immediately gave their documents back. However, in Trump's case, Trump's situation was that when the government kept telling him, the National Archives kept telling him to return those documents that he wasn't supposed to take in the first place, Trump refused. And so that is what brought on the FBI raid. It didn't come out of the blue. It came out after months of Trump and the National Archives and Trump's basically Trump's lawyers communicating with the National Archives, going back and forth, back and forth, and Trump refusing to give these documents back. And so Trump, and not only did Trump hold on to this classified material, according to the indictment, he was extremely careless with them. He would leave boxes of these things lying around where any guest, and he had frequent guests come out to Mar-a-Lago. He had the boxes lying around where any visitor could just grab them. He was pulling these documents out and showing them off to guests. And and this, there's recorded evidence of this. And what makes it worse is that Trump lied to the National Archives. He instructed his lawyers to go to the National Archives in June of 2022. Okay, so this was, think about this, this is a little bit over a year ago, June of 2022. This was a few months before the raid. Trump had his lawyers turn over 38 documents to the National Archives, and they told the National Archives that he had no more classified documents. But then, and this was all, it put, this was all put in writing. He lied to the National Archives because when the FBI raided his house in August, this was proven false. He had 300 more at his residence. So Trump had his lawyers lie to the National Archives on legal documents stating that he had returned all the classified material, but they knew he had not. And so, yes, it was, you know, it seems audacious of them to send the, the FBI to his house to retrieve these documents. but. Trump did have the documents and he was lying about having them and he refused to turn them over. So if you want to defend Trump from this search of the FBI, by the FBI of his property, then what you need to do is also explain why Trump had the documents in the first place. And please explain why Trump lied about having them. You have to, you have to defend all of that. If you're going to defend Trump from this search by the FBI, you need to have a good explanation for all that stuff. If Trump does have a good explanation for all that stuff, he has not come out and shared this with us. And so that would, if you're, if you're defending him, if you're one of his defenders, 
You need to have some kind of answer for that. So one defense that's been offered for Trump, one thing that's been put out there, a popular statement among conservative political pundits, is that they will tell you that as president, when Trump was president, he had authority to declassify any material that he wanted to. And that is actually true. Trump did have authority to declassify whatever he wanted. But Trump cannot use that defense in this case with the classified documents because of his own big mouth. He has already publicly admitted and privately admitted that he did not declassify this material before leaving office. Okay, this was his one really good defense for this. The one thing that probably could have gotten him out of trouble. He could have said, oh, I declassified all this stuff. And then he doesn't have to give the, you know, because it's very vague what it means for a president to declassify something. So he could have just, and this has come up before in court. I think Clinton used this defense. Oh, I just said it was declassified and he got away with taking stuff. This this is the defense Trump could have used. However, Trump's already, he's already run off his mouth and ruined that defense. Trump let an author come to Mar-a-Lago to interview him for a book. And the author recorded the conversation that Trump was having with him. And in the conversation, this is all in the indictment. In the conversation, Trump admitted that he did not declassify any of the material before he left office. Okay, actually, let me read to you here from a report about this indictment. Trump knew his administration, and this report is from NBC, okay? But I'm just t- it's just telling you what the indictment says. Trump knew his administration did not complete the accepted declassification process, and it, which is the indictment, accuses Trump of having shown the documents to people without security clearance, including a book author. The indictment, which, was, which is, does not name the author, this author who interviewed Trump for the book, includes a transcript of the July 2021 conversation Trump had with the writer about a classified military document described as a plan of attack against another country. The conversation, which the indictment says was recorded with Trump's knowledge, was first reported by CNN. And then here's a quote of what Trump was saying on the recording. He says, See, as president, I could have declassified the document, Trump told the book author, according to the transcript. Now I can't. Secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this, Trump said. So isn't that just great? Trump knowingly, while being recorded, admits that he has this classified material that he did not declassify it. Okay, the one defense that he could have used is he could have just said, I declassified this before I left office. And he admits on on a video recording that he didn't declassify it and he's showing it to someone who does not have security clearance, just a book author who came to interview him and Trump's showing off the documents. And these are like military documents of how they would attack another country. He's just showing it off to someone who's not supposed to see it. Okay. That is so stupid, reckless, and it's indefensible. Okay. This, and I'm not trying to be, I know I said I'd be fair and objective, but I'm telling you there was absolutely, when I say stupid, I just mean there was, it was foolish. There was no reason for Trump to do this, except he wanted the documents he wanted to show him off. But he has put himself at significant legal jeopardy because he has no defense now. This is the indictment that when this one came down, this is when I realized Trump was toast. He has no credible defense now. 
And it gets even worse. He made this one even worse. This, was, this is the strongest of the four indictments. And Trump didn't stop there. When this bad news started coming down for him, he made it even worse. Because another indictment from Jack Smith came forward a few weeks after that, that Trump was attempting to cover up his, his actions by deleting surveillance footage at Mar-a-Lago. And he instructed his aide and his valet, a man named Walt Nauta, to delete security footage from Mar-a-Lago. And so there's been proof of that now. And Trump has been indicted for trying to cover up these crimes as well. So guys, I'm just telling you, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be a Trump hater, not trying to be a Trump supporter, just trying to, to just give you the facts here. They have Trump dead to rights. Okay, this trial is set to begin May 20th of 2024. And I don't see any way that Trump can get out of this one. I mean, they've got him. They've got him pinned here for the crime and for attempting to cover up the crime. And so I got to say, as a as a conservative, (laughs) I am extremely upset with Trump about this one. There is just no reason for it. Okay, this was such senseless stupidity right here. You already know that the government is after you. You know, you can call it the deep state, call it the establishment, call it whatever you want. You already know that they are trying to destroy your life. So why would you go and make it so easy for them to do that? You already have the FBI after you. You have all the levers of power breathing down your neck, making sure that you're dotting every I, crossing every T. If you if you have them after you like that, you don't go and steal 15 boxes of classified documents, refuse to hand them over, then lie about having handed them over, and then try to cover up your crimes. You don't do all that stuff. That's exactly what Hillary Clinton did with the email investigation. She had classified material on an email server at her house. She was being reckless. She was being senseless. I mean, she I, I, she was stupid, but I mean, she probably had worse stuff she was doing that she was just trying to keep off the books, off the radar. That's why she had this private server. So she was trying to be smart, but I mean, she got caught. And then when she got caught, she tried to have her aides, or she actually did have her aides, destroy their phones, destroy their computer drives. They literally used hammers. They used bleach bit. They didn't want anybody to know what was on her email server. Okay? Highly corrupt activity. Completely illegal. She wasn't supposed to have that classified document uh, material there on her computer server, server in the first place. And when she got caught, she tried to destroy the evidence. That not that obstruction of justice? And yet, every conservative out there agrees she was a criminal and she should have been charged. She should have been found guilty. She should have lost any security clearances. And she should have been sentenced for her actions. Trump's whole thing was lock her up, right? <laughs> she should have gone to jail. She should have gone to prison. But the FBI didn't raid her home. And they let her off the hook by saying she didn't have criminal intent. Okay, and that was completely bogus. And we all recognized that it was bogus. There are men and women out there who've gone to prison for less than what she did. But she got off because we have a two-tiered justice system. I, I acknowledge all of that, okay? But Trump doesn't have a defense on this one. He did exactly what she did. He did the exact same thing, okay? If you think Hillary Clinton should have gone to jail, you have to say that Trump should go to jail. Otherwise, I mean, I just don't know. I don't think you're acting with integrity. 
if you say Hillary Clinton, what she did was criminal, but Trump, what he did was okay. I just don't see the logical basis for that. He did everything that she did. He did all the stuff he said she should be locked up for. Now, he didn't lock her up, and maybe that's his only defense here. That he can just say, well, I did the same thing that Hillary did, but but she got away with it. So he might say, I should get away with it too. Well, that's that's a pretty weak defense, <laughs> I would say. You know, saying, oh, hey, hey, I'm as innocent as Hillary Clinton. <laughs> that's a pretty weak defense. But that might be what the defense he has to go with, because that's that's what I mean, that's the, <laughs> the, the that's the only real defense here. That's the thing that makes this indictment unfair is that Hillary did the same thing and she wasn't charged. But I'm kind of saying here as conservatives, do we want to defend something that we say, oh, yeah, well, what he did was no worse than what Hillary Clinton did. Is that is that what we want to say? Do we want to put ourselves in that position? And speaking realistically. They have him dead to rights. They can put him in jail or under house arrest or whatever. They can try to keep him off the ballot if they find him guilty in time. Uh, th- this this one, I, I'd say, you know, Trump has no hope with this one. I don't. I just don't see a way out of this trap. And I, I hope you will think about that if you're wanting to vote for Trump in these primaries. And if you're a conservative listening, a Republican listening, it seems that that's what most of them want to do based on the polls. Uh, I hope you think about that before you go vote. Saying that you are as innocent as Hillary Clinton, that's not a very strong defense. Okay, guys, well, I've been blabbering on here for about 40 minutes, and um, I've only gotten through two of the four indictments. So instead of going on for another 40 minutes and making this like an hour and a half episode or whatever, Uh, I don't want to do that to you. I'm sure you don't want to listen to that much of me. So here's what I'm going to do. I will just go ahead and put this episode out. I've broken down the first two indictments, and I think I'll just come back in a few days, and we're just going to cover the other two. Does that sound okay with everybody? So we're not just like cramming too much information on you all in one go. Um, Let's take a few days. I'll get, you know what? If you got a response, if you want to, if you got some feedback for me based on the first two here, uh, go ahead and send it fiery but peaceful at gmail.com that's my email fiery but peaceful at gmail.com and you know maybe we can have some listener feedback and then i'll address that next time basically i've covered what i think is the most silly and ridiculous of the four indictments the stormy daniels one but i've also covered the one that i think is the strongest there were two more indictments that were handed down in addition to these and uh, again i'm just not going to stress i'm not going to stretch this out any longer i've talked long enough for today So, hey, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you kind of think on these things. Um, If you're thinking about who should we support for president next year, uh, what's how is it likely to play out if Trump ends up being the guy? I'm not saying you can't vote for Trump. I would like to hear your reasoning if you do want to vote for Trump. You know, if you think, well, all the other candidates out there are just worse and Trump's still the best bet we've got. I don't agree. But I mean, if that's your if that's your reasoning, well, hey, you know, I hope a conservative wins next time around. (laughs) That's what I'm hoping for. But um, I'm not sure Trump is in the best position. I don't think he's most likely to win. I think he's most likely to lose. Doesn't mean he's the worst of all the, you know, 10 or dozen, however many candidates are out there. Doesn't mean he's the very worst. But I I do think his chances are lesser than most of them. So, hey, let's talk about this. We'll keep a conversation going. Send send your feedback to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Fake News. 
a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. And just remember, if someone says that God made Mace Windu black, even my four-year-olds can tell you that's just fake news. (laughs) 